day, everybody. This is Perez Verheikler, Perez B, a.k.a. The Rev. The Rev with the cause, and the cause is you. Yes, how are you? Fantastic. It's gorgeous. It's cold. It's freezing. You're running to Florida. Stay here. Bundle up. You'll be warm wherever you are. It's bright, sunshiny, sunny and bright, warm and mild. That's just the way I feel. How are you doing today? I hope you're doing fantastic, Ruch Hashem. Great that you're feeling terrific, that you feel up, that you feel like you're you're energized and you can't wait to get the day going and you just can't wait to get out of bed and you just can't... Hey, you got out of bed this morning? You realize what a bracha that is? I have a friend that's in a hospital now. We'd give anything to get out of bed. Let's keep dominating for all our friends and relatives that, that need a refuel, Yeshua, uh, Yeshua. Come on, you can do it. Put a smile on your face. Be happy. Be besimcha. You think I'm putting it on? No, that's the way I feel. I feel that way because the Kaddish Baruch got me up this morning. I was able to say, Modani, run to a beautiful minion here in Lakewood, and beautiful Rosh Kaddish davening. I like it when they sing a little bit more, but these guys were fantastic. Everybody's ba'achtas, they're together, and it's beautiful, and we're all together. Hinei matov l'nayim, sheves achim gam yachat. All right, if you got anything on your mind that you want to talk about, or anything that's on your neshama that you want to share, come on. Let's do it together. I don't claim to know everything, but you can talk to me about anything. And that means whether it's a relationship that you're having difficulty with that you want to talk through, whether it's a problem that's holding you back by something that you feel that you could be doing better, or something that's been bothering you, something that you're thinking about and you want to work it through. Okay? I only have one degree in psychology, and I have another one in speech and drama, but the biggest degree that I have is the benefit of the, the school of life, licensed by the state of awareness to live life bears the Shem to its fullest. And, uh, you know, there are some experiences that I've had. If you know my story that I tell in my one-man show called Acting Jewish, you know that there are, um, there are very interesting frames of reference that I have that give me somewhat of an insight and an ability to perceive things in a way that may be helpful to people. And I assure you, anything that I would tell you and convey to you is not pontificating, if you'll pardon the expression, but just merely a reflection of who I, who I have dealt with in the past and in the present and the future. At any rate, around, do us a little music right now. I'll be back right after this break. And I've got some great stuff for you. We'll be right back right after this. Yes, hi. This, yes, hello, can you speak up a little bit? 
talking to me? Hello. Hello, hello there. Yes, hi, how are you? We went through that already. We're past the hello stage. What can we do for you? Yeah, I wanted to know, why um, does our community not um, accept the eating disorders and the young girls in our community that um, have eating disorders and um, try to help them, make food for them? Why is it so secretive? Uh, you know, that's an interesting point. In fact, it must be a tremendous secret because I never heard about it. So maybe you could <laughs> it must be, must be a huge secret because it's the first I've heard about it. I mean, I know that there are you, which eating orders are you, de, are you describing? Uh, anorexia. Yeah, anorexia. Okay. We, you know, we see that that's a very um, dominant theme in, in the world at large today. You trouble people that that had the anorexia, but quite frankly, I was not aware that it was a problem to any significant degree within our community. Now, so why don't you share that with us and tell us how you perceive it, how, how, how are you aware of it, and to what extent do you think that it's a problem? Um, well, I, I know people that have it, and I, I think, you know, they go to day programs, and there's nothing really in Brooklyn. Um, I don't think there's anything in Lakewood either. And it, the problem does exist in our community, and I was told that the community does not want to have a date program in the community, and they um, kind of uh, don't want the pro- they want the problem to be quiet. Uh, I don't know. I mean, with the when you're talking about eating disorders, I can only tell you that every time you turn around, there's a new there's a new restaurant with a, you know a new hexer and some type of new type of food that's coming out. So if there's an eating disorder, I mean, one of the things that I think people have is an overeating disorder or eating out in, in ways which I think are not exactly consistent with people that would understand that you don't need to have such an extravagant lifestyle. That's certainly one disorder, eating disorder that I would categorize. As far as this is concerned, I don't know why people would want to keep it quiet any more than they would anything else that's a, that's a problem, kids at risk or anything like that. And this is something which I don't think has a stigma as much as that, but I, I, I can't answer that question in terms of having a clue as to, A, the extent of the problem, and B, why anybody in their right mind would not want to address the problem uh, head on. You have uh, a number of organizations here in Lakewood that deal with behavioral health, and it would be interesting to find out if you ever called an organization like Relief and mm-hmm. asked them, and this is something you could you could check out. Ask Relief, to what extent do you deal with, with anorexia? Or I think bulimia is another one. But there's a... And I, I think it is pretty prevalent in our community, but I was told that the Rabbanim don't want to have a program in Brooklyn because they want it to be more quiet. You know, again, this is something I haven't heard, and I have to discuss it with, with Rabbanim. Like, what, what is the stigma that they would want to keep it quiet. I mean, it's not like, like it's an issue of uh, God forbid, abuse or, um, or drug addiction or, or something which would uh, connote something that would be morally decadent or morally uh, it would have implications. Maybe they're afraid that of... That um, something that you, want, you, know, you know what I'm saying? There's certain things that you would want to put under the, on, under the carpet or you would feel guilty about or... Yeah, I mean, I know there's situations with kids at risk where um, t- 
teens where young girls will get in will get into trouble, and that they certainly want to keep under uh, you know under under the radar because that has repercussions for for the family and for the for the people involved in that. They do try and do in a way, but here, what what does this have to do with that? Somebody has an eating disorder, you know. Well, what's what's the stigma attached to that? I don't I don't I don't get that. I'm not sure either. Maybe they're afraid, like with Sadochim, they'll have trouble with people are going to be afraid. So, what, what, is your, what is your question? Why is the community not addressing it? I would say two things. One, it could be as as I just expressed in terms of my my own uh, ignorance of this, and certainly not apathy, is that I wasn't aware that it was a problem. So, I would say, first of all, it should be brought to the attention of people that. Um, that are out there, I guess people in the media like myself, that would be aware of it. I would tell you, if you have some information on it, you can send it to me at eichlermedia at gmail.com. I'll look into it, and I'll start and ask, asking around and then see to what extent, you know, we're not addressing it properly, and maybe we can get the ball rolling on it. I can't answer the question as to why it's not being addressed, because I don't, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be. It doesn't make sense to me that people would, would avoid it because of some type of horrific stigma. To it. That just doesn't that doesn't sound right to me. Whatever information you have, send me a note at eichlermedia at gmail dot com, and I'll definitely take a look into it. If it's something which uh, which is a matter that affects the community and that people have there. Do you know anybody personally that is suffering from the problem? Yeah, I do. You're not talking about yourself, I presume. Right now, you're not talking about yourself. Okay, right. Uh, somebody that I know. Help? I actually know two people that were uh, one that was suffering from it and one that is currently suffering from it. It does and exist. These, I'm not. They, I'm just. I'm trying to figure out why, you know, it, it is being so like private, being, being told to be so secretive about it. Are they seeking? Are they seeking help? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are they getting the help? Yeah, they're getting help. But it's, it's okay. difficult because they have to keep everything secret and they have to travel to get the help that they need. I don't. I don't know what the stigma is. Quite frankly, I don't see what the stigma is, unless there's something more psychologically rooted that you know that it has to do with. But I don't. I don't see what the. I, okay. I, I don't see Thank why. You. It, you know, I don't. I don't. Thank I don't you see very that. much. But drop me a note. Thanks. Hi, Perez B, aka the Rev. How are you doing? Great. Okay. Let me just tell you something, that when there's a problem that people have and they think that their stigma is attached to it, that in itself is a problem. Sometimes people think people are uh, against them or there's an attitude against them. That may be true. It may not be true. If it's not true, it's paranoia. If it is true, then it's a justified, it's a justified issue that a person should do. I'm, if you know anything more about that, please let me know. Let, let, let's talk about it. And I'll tell you something that... In terms of my own addressing an issue like this, and, and your own, there's a very, very poignant statement in this week's Parsha, and this is Mama Shishkaka Pratis, as, as everything is that, 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 you know, we see and we do, and so much that I see, I hope we continue to see out the Shemaya that we do in this broadcast in particular. When something bothers somebody, we should try to understand it from their perspective. In other words, if I say, well, I don't understand what the stigma is, but you're telling me, hey, there is a stigma. Somebody is anorexic, and they are fe- they're, they're made to feel they have to keep it under wraps, and nobody should know about it. Well, maybe I don't understand it, but if it bothers somebody else, 
we have an obligation to try to understand the matter from that person's perspective. Now, where do you see it in this week's Parsha? This is going to, this is going to, this is going to, I think, change the way you think about, about certain things. And it's in this week's Parsha, my dear friend Rabbi Zellig-Fliskin brings it down in reference to, you're going to find this astonishing, the locusts that came upon the entire land of Mitzrayim. It says that the Arba came, and they, they rested, or rather they came upon the entire land of Egypt, and they rested on the entire boundary of Egypt. It was very heavy. Before this, there were never as many locusts, and afterwards there will never be as much. And that's, that's an absolute truth, as the Torah states. Now, I can tell you there have been swarms of locusts in other parts of the Middle East, and I even remember seeing a picture in a very old history book of swarms of locusts. It was a, it was a horrifying shot. It was in black and white of locusts that were all over everything in Egypt, like um, maybe 80 years ago in the early 1900s. It was fascinating. But they made a note that said it didn't compare either in number or in volume or intensity to what took place in Egypt at the time that it was, uh, that it was a maka. But now listen to this. Rashi raises the question that in the days of the Navi, Yo, there was such a strong plague of locusts that the Pusik states there were never as many. So what do you say to that? Huh? Come on, what do you say to that? Rashi raises the question, in the days of the Navi Yol, there was such a strong plague of locusts that the Pusik in Yol states there were never as many. Okay, come on, Chacham, where do you, where do you go with that? What do you say? The Torah It's got to be true. Which one is it? You thinking about this? Think about this. Okay, the Chacham Sefer replied, it is true that in the days of Yol, there were more locusts than there were in Mitzrayim. But that is only in actual numbers. In Egypt, they were already devastated by other plagues that destroyed much of the vegetation, such as was done by the hail, by the parrot. The relative damage done by the locusts in Egypt was greater than at any other time, even though the amount destroyed by the locusts was greater in the time of Yol. That's how we reconcile that. Now, what's, what's, what's going on here? You riding with me? The underlying idea expressed by the Chassam Sofer gives us some insight into understanding the difficulties that others are suffering. Or better still, it shows us how we can never completely understand the suffering of another person. Like this young woman who called in and said she doesn't understand why people are not more sensitive to and tuned into people suffering from food eating disorders like anorexia. When somebody suffers because of some event or some illness, something that's bothering them, emotional, physical, the actual pain is subjective rather than objective. What does that mean? It means that the pain suffered because of anything that happens is proportionate to what the situation means to the person who is suffering. You follow? Cop this. It's really important. It means that the pain suffered because of anything that happens is proportionate to what the situation means to the person who is suffering. Think about that. When somebody reacts to a situation with more suffering than you think is justified, I don't know, why does that bother you so much? I mean, I don't get it. There is always the possibility that this situation represents, for that person, the straw 
that broke the camel's back. That's a an adage, an old-time idiom that requires a little thought. What's the straw that broke the camel's back? Right? They piled up a camel, piled it up, piled it up, piled it up. It was fine. Then they added one straw, and the camel collapsed with broken back. Meaning sometimes a person can have adkan up to here. They can take it. And then one little bit extra, not something extra, extra heavy, extraordinarily difficult, just that one little thing. That was the thing that pushed it over the top. Because of things that already happened to this person, what occurred caused that person much more pain than you would have experienced if you were in the same situation. Why me? I don't have a dealing de- 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 oh, Come on, eat less. What are you doing? Who cares? Eat more. What? <laughs> Meat? I got a great appetite. When someone reacts very strongly to some matter, ask the person, well, what does this mean to you? You're asking with empathy, not just with sympathy. You're asking a question that's empathetic, empathetic, that will help you understand that person better and possibly help them. You don't have to be a shrink to do that. You just have to be a friend. Once when Reb David of Lelov was walking in the street, a woman mistook him for her husband who had abandoned her. You can imagine a reaction. Well, this might not have been your reaction, but she, she actually physically started to beat up on the guy. And as soon as she calmed down, she realized her mistake and apologized profusely. Now, that is a rather unusual circumstance, right? And that, even for that time. And she said, um, I, I, oh, I'm so sorry. I apologize. I, I made a mistake. I, I'm just suffering and I have such pain and anguish over what he did. She cried out. How will I ever be forgiven for having been violent? And to such a tzaddik, I'm so sorry. And listen to what this, this rabbi said. He could have said, well, Are you crazy? What's the matter with you? I'll have you arrested. What did he say to her? He said, My good woman, please calm yourself. Really hit me. You were hitting your, your husband who would abandon you. You were acting out your feelings that you had toward him. I'm not saying it would have been right to do it to him either. But understanding what happened to you, I can understand your feelings and why you behaved you, what you did, way you, you did. And it's understandable under the unfortunate circumstances. Man, that is empathy. Put down in the views. Hold, I didn't make that up. So if we understand things from other people's perspective, we might react a little bit differently. It doesn't mean you have to be a schmata. I'm not saying, well, you know, next time somebody gets angry, you should be the, the punching bag. It doesn't justify it. I'm just saying there is a, a degree of empathy that each of us can have, a degree of simpatico, what we feel the other person is feeling, and engage our minds and our thoughts like that. Sensitivity really has to do with sensitivity. Do you feel like you're being sensitive enough to other people? How do you feel being sensitive to other people makes a difference? Has somebody been sensitive to you? Have you been sensitive to somebody else? Do you think it's important or should, you know, just let people go on their their own ways and say, uh, that's your problem? Tough noogies, as we used to say where I grew up. When you speak to two people at the same time, you've got to be sensitive, not to slight either person. You see it again right here in Parsha's bow. It says that... Um, it says, after suffering from the plague of the, of the locusts, Paroko Moshe and Aaron said to them, Now I beseech you, forgive my sin only this once, and pray to the Almighty that he may only take away this death. Now, 
listen to what the Ramban says. You listen to this, hold on, sit down, put on your seatbelt, even if you're not in your car, put on your seatbelt. The Ramban, the Ramban comments on this passage. Power realized that it was only Moshe who could intercede on his behalf with Kodesh Baruch Hu. For this reason, the first part of the Pusik is written in the singular, Ba'ata, but power spoke Derek Musser in a polite and tactful manner. That's what the Ramban says, and asked both Moshe and Aaron to daven for him. And for this reason, the latter half of the Pusik is written in the plural. Now, Reb Simcha Zissel of Kelm, one of the main pillars of the Musser movement, he brought down the statement of the Ramban and added that anyone with chakva, with wisdom, realizes the importance of a Musser approach in dealing wisely with other people. In this matter, we should actually learn from guess who? That's right, Paro. He was careful to show respect to Aaron, even though he needed a favor from Moshe, and Aaron was not able to act on his behalf. He had the wisdom at that moment to speak in front of Aaron in a manner that would not imply any slight to Aaron's honor. That, my friends, whether he had an agenda or not, we should employ in a sincere way the sensitivity that should be our guide in dealing with other people. Let sensitivity be your guide. All right, your guide today, parents, B.A.K.A. the Rib. What's on your mind? Let's hear about it. You got something that's bothering you, troubling you, an issue in the news, an issue in your mind, an issue in your heart, in your soul. I don't claim to know everything, but you can't talk to me about anything. Let's schmooze it out. Let's talk it through, walk it through, make things better if we can. Based Hashem, licensed by the State of Awareness, this is Perrage B, a.k.a. the Reb. I don't claim to know everything, but he can't talk to me about anything. The Reb with the cause, the cause is you, a rebel against the life without meaning, value, and purpose. Let's do it. Get on the horn, 718-683-5858. Give me a call today, 718-683-5858. Let's talk. Let's walk it through. Let's do it. Let's not just work on it. Let's do it. Let's try with the Kaddish Baruch's help and Siyata Deshmai, which is the only way anything can ever get done. Let's try and make the world a better place by starting with ourselves and making each and every one of us a better person. You'll be better. The world will be better. 718-683-5858. We're going to be wrapping up the show pretty soon, so call me right now if you've got something to say, something you'd like to talk about. We are the station that listens to you. This is J Root Radio. We'll be back after a little bit of a musical interlude with our producer extraordinaire, Aaron. Take it away. We'll be back. Parents V, a.k.a. The Reb. Stay tuned for more on J Root. Ich 
went and did as the Kaddish Baruch commanded Moshe Aaron, so they did. Ken Osu. Ken Osu. I take a look at the Rashi there. Rashi says, so they did, refers to Moshe Aaron. They also did as Hashem commanded about the Korban Pesach. The Torah tells us that this is a lesson to anybody who wants to be a positive influence on other people. You want to be a positive influence? It's not just enough to tell others to do good things. Your own behavior should serve as a model for them to follow. Action is more difficult than words. The best way to influence others is to be the type of person you wish others to be. The famous word by Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky is a song about the word meshupa, or slanted roof, the way it's shaped, uh, a water water rolls off it, a barrel will roll off it. And the word mashpia, to influence, is derived etymologically from that. Just by dint and virtue of who and what you are, the way you conduct yourself, that will be the greatest influence on people. And when we realize that awareness, that finding favor in the eyes of other people, that's dependent on the Ruts and Hashem. And that will allow you to ask anyone for anything, whenever it's appropriate. You need to, you need something, right? Nobody wants to come on to anybody and we say, We don't want to be reliant on anybody, only Kaddish Baruch But there are times where Hashem makes it that people are the Shalikim, they're the conduits for the Baruch that He sends to us. And sometimes you have to go and ask them to do it. Would you please help out this Yeshiva? Would you please help out this person that needs a hand, that needs a job, this person that needs a shidduch, right? Hashem made the world that we interact with people. As independent as you think you are, we're all dependent on our Kaddish Baruch Everybody is a schnur of sorts. I used to work for a major corporation, and these guys were nothing more than, you know, schnurs. And I don't mean it in a pejorative sense, but they were going around asking for money from, you know, institutional investors, coming on to clients, coming on to the buyers, investors, yada, yada, yada. Everybody has to deal with somebody. An insurance agent needs clients. He's got to sell it. Car dealer has to sell the cars. person manufactures pharmaceuticals. Somebody's got to buy the car. Everybody needs people in this world. Nobody is an island into himself. Now, finding favor in the eyes of other people is dependent on the will of Hashem. And when you realize that, we realize that, we won't, we won't have any hesitation to ask anybody for anything. When, 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 when it's appropriate. And the Almighty gave the people favor in the eyes of Mitzrayim so that they lent them the gold and silver garments and they despoiled Egypt. Hashem gave chen and of uh, the chen, the charm, the appeal Yisrael had in the eyes of the people that despised them. Rabbi Yaakov Kinevsky, this type was a Ketzarek Levraka, that this serves as a lesson the Almighty determines people's finding favor in the eyes of others. It's an amazing thing. You think about it. You have to make a presentation. You have to impress somebody. Are you impressing that person? Are you impressing a Kodesh Baruch The only one that we have to impress, as it were, is the Abishta. He's the one who gives chen in the eyes of other people. Logic would dictate that after the Mitzrim suffered so much because of the Yidden, they would never lend them anything, especially not precious vessels, gold and silver. Would you think so? Nevertheless, the Egyptians were willing to lend their prized possessions without any arguments or negotiations. 
the Yidden clearly saw that it was only solely because of a Kaddish Baruch that they found favor in the eyes of the Mitzrayim. That's brought down a Chaya Olam. Right, Fliskin points this out very cogently. You know, there are people who are hesitant about asking others for favors. Why? They're afraid that the other person might refuse. They would consider this refusal a personal rejection and a blow to their self-esteem. And because they evaluate someone else's refusal to help them as a major problem, so then what? They're filled with anxiety about the thought of making requests. And that keeps them, prevents them from assertively asking for things that they need for themselves. And they're unable to approach others to ask them to contribute to worthy causes. But once you internalize the awareness that whether or not you find favor in the eyes of another person is dependent on the rutsen of Hashem, your whole attitude changes. You will no longer fear asking any person for anything that is considered proper according to the dictates of the Torah. Now talk about things that are improper. Especially when you're asking someone to help a worthy cause, you're going to feel comfortable, not uncomfortable. You know that even if there seems to be no chance the person will give you what you ask, a Kaddish Baruch might still cause them to agree. Of course, you will not make requests that will cause others pain or discomfort. But when it's proper to make a request, a fear will never stop you. Now, this is something that I work on all the time, on projects, on media endeavors, things that I'm working on or helping other people. So I'm going to try and implement this. I want you to try and implement it. Call me now. Is there something that you're thinking about that's holding you back that you need to ask somebody else for, but you're, you're fearful of doing it? Let's talk about that and see if we can maybe walk through what it is that you want to ask and how we can change that attitude, like right now, so that today you'll go and you'll do it and you won't feel uncomfortable about it, you feel comfortable about it. Call me now, 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. You create yourself by your behavior. That allows you to become the person that you wish to be. Again, right here in the Parsha, where it says that the bone, of what? The Korban Pesach? Neither shall you break a bone of it. All right, Fliskin points this out. It's fantastic. Listen to this. The Torah has a whole list of commandments, which are reminders of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And the Chinuch, Sefer Chinuch writes, that someone might might ask, is it the Sefer Chinuch or Sefer Chinuch or Mitzchus Chinuch? It says the Chinuch. Writes that someone might ask why the Torah needs so many mitzvahs to commemorate this event. Wouldn't one have been enough, wouldn't you think so? It's not a wise question, he replies. There is an important principle we may derive from this. Note that the person influences himself by his actions. One's thoughts are linked with one's behavior, both for good and for bad. Even if so we have to be aware of that. And I'm going to get to that in a minute, right if we take your call. Hi, how are you? What's on your mind? Yes. Hi, how are you? Are you there? Well, it sounded like Hi, Parents B, are you on the air with us? Okay. So once thoughts are linked with one's behavior, for good and for bad, even if someone is very bad, very wicked, and done a lot of wrong, if that person will only devote themselves to Torah study and Maisim Tevim, they will eventually become a tzaddik. The way you behave creates your, your, own, your own personality, in a way. Not that your personality creates your behavior. It does to a certain degree. There's no question about that. But if you change your behavior, you'll change your personality, and you'll change everything else. Your heart will follow the path of your behavior, and your thoughts will become more elevated. You asked Mordecai Weinberger about this. 
he'll give you a much more sophisticated psychological explanation. I'm just giving you the degree right here. The concept that's going to saying is a basic one for becoming a better person. All right? Put this into motion today. Put this into motion. You could become a better person right now. If you want to become a giving person, even though you're inwardly selfish, eventually you succeed if you continue to behave in a giving manner. Give. You'll become a giver. This is the self-creation principle. You create yourself by your behavior. Awareness of this will enable you to improve yourself in any area in which you are deficient. So, Let's do this today. Let's each make a plan, you for you, me for me. I can't make your plan, you can't make my plan, right? To perform many actions, as many as possible, that would manifest the positive traits you want to integrate. After for a long enough time, your thoughts will become consistent with those actions you want to become as a positive person. Like, I want to be able to help more people. I want this broadcast to go further. So what steps am I going to do? I'm going to talk to you more. I'm going to try and beef myself up. I'm going to prepare better drushes and get more information and work on things that I'm doing myself and then pass on those stories to you. Let's not just work on it. Let's do it. This is Peretz B.A.K. The Rev. If anything is on your mind or on your heart, give me a call. Iran, hey, I'm hearing glicks and beeps and bada bada bing. Oh, is anybody on the phone? Hi. Do you want to say hello? Hello. Hello there. Yes. Uh, hi, is this Jay Root? Yes, it is Jay Root, and this is Perez Barkman, Reptilia Lady, a.k.a. The Reb. What can I do for you? Uh, is Nissen there? No! You gotta call the office. Thanks, my friend. Very good. Can I help you, though? All right. Anyway, this is Perez, this is Perez B. saying thanks for joining us today. You can reach me at my um at my open line eight four eight two two one four six zero five e i c h l a r media gmail dot com and looking forward to hearing from you and hopefully this day will be one in which on Rosh Chodesh Shvat we begin to see Yeshua's Besiris Tovus everything good let's be the best that we can be let's make a Kaddish Baruch proud of us through our deeds through our actions our thoughts increase your learning Torah increase your mitzvahs your ma'asim Tovim let's be the best we can be. Good night, good day, good afternoon, New York, and good evening, Yerushalayim. Remember, in the words of Hillel, the rest is commentary. Now go and learn.